my clients came from me just being out in conversation, not sales calls, not business development calls, not nothing to do with trying to get work. I I, I was really had a, I I really practiced coming from a place of service. It's overused statement, but really just wanting to connect with people. And um, so I had lots and 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 lots of conversation. And some of those, uh, a small percentage of those turned into um, paying clients. And And then the referral bus started. Episode 22 of the Coaching Life podcast, where we peel back the bullcrap and brush away any photoshopping to give you an unfiltered look at what it's like to live a coaching life. Now, one of the reasons I created this podcast is to show you, the listener, that there are coaches out there running very successful businesses, connecting with people and creating clients without the endless positioning and selling and and indeed embellishment we sometimes see on Facebook and social media. And of course, that's not to say Facebook isn't a great way to connect with people. It absolutely is. I love Facebook, but it's certainly not the only way. And that whole creating of a pseudo celebrity profile is also not necessary. And that puts this podcast in a unique position in that I may be bringing to you coaches you've never heard of. And to me, that feels like a pretty awesome thing to do. Because I'm not really interested in interviewing the same so-called celebrity coaches we see so often elsewhere, because there really are some amazing, successful coaches who are just like you and me, and they're out there simply getting on with it, doing great work, and getting on with serving, all without the posting, positioning, and endless selling of their pseudo celebrity status to other coaches and one such guy who you may not have seen or heard of much before is my guest today he's someone i immediately admired for his professionalism his integrity for his love he's been a coach and a master facilitator for over 15 years he's worked with senior level executives and their teams in some of the most recognizable global corporations as well as private individuals and small businesses and since we haven't actually connected much since we last saw each other at steve chandler's acs his advanced client systems I'm extra delighted to get an opportunity today to catch up with my friend, John Whitry. Hello, John. Hey, Phil. How are you? Yeah, very well. Thank you very much for taking the time and, and to talk with us today. Yeah, Phil, I, I just have to interrupt. The fact that you're not going to be photoshopping me kind of messes this whole thing up. <laughs> I'm not sure I can go further. Oh, we've all seen it, right? We've all seen it. Yes, um, sir. Okay, so let's, let's start at the beginning. Um, can you tell us how you got into the profession of coaching yeah i guess um there were two entry points for me one i would say is on a personal level and one is on a professional level on a personal level so uh today actually is my 31st wedding anniversary and um while i'm very happy to have made it to this point the first part of our marriage was incredibly difficult 
for the first two years, as a matter of fact. And um, at some point in that, after that first two years, my wife and I sought some some help just from some people that were in similar situations. And we realized that we we were experiencing many of the same challenges that um, our peers were. And so we made a commitment that we were going to really learn how to do this thing called marriage. And so we spent a lot of time working on our relationship. Um, people started seeing a change in our relationship and so started coming to us, asking us what we were doing, um, uh, why the change. And so we started helping them have effective relationships. So, you know, I would say 28 years ago, I began coaching, if you will, um, married people or soon to be married people. Um, in how to have effective relationships. And my wife and I have been doing that uh, ever since. So we have kind of a side business called Restoration Ranch uh, where we help people stay married, get married, and in some cases separate, um, but in a clean way. So so from a personal level, that's how I got into, uh, um, started coaching. And then professionally, I, I, I think um, there were two things that I've always studied that I've, I've never not studied that I can remember and, and oddly one is dog breed books so I started as a very young kid memorizing dog breed books and then as a very young kid I also was fascinated by leadership my dad is a retired general in the Air Force so I had a really good example of a leader in my household and so I just started reading um, everything there was to, to, to be written on leadership and about I would say this has got to be about 20, 25 years ago. Um, I was living in the Bay Area of California and I had a friend. This is all during the dot com craze. And so I had a friend who had a communications firm and she and I had spent a lot of time talking about leadership and she was running into some challenges with her business. She asked me to come in and observe her uh, for a couple of weeks and then give her feedback. So I did uh, observed her for a couple of weeks. And then had to get creative on how to how to get the feedback to her. So I took her on a, at the time, I'm still a big bicyclist, but at the time I was really riding a lot. So I, I put her on a tandem bicycle and I, I put her in the back, which is the stoker position. And um, I gave her some simple instructions. I said, for the first half of this ride, um, I don't want to hear from you and I'm not going to say anything. And I don't know if you anything about tandems, but... That, that's not the most comfortable position for that person to be in because you don't know when the peer person is shifting, breaking, hitting bumps. So about 30 minutes into this ride, um, actually, I could hear her crying. Um, so I pulled over. We stopped at a park, and she just lit me up. Like she she really was not happy and had, and really took me on. I, I, can't, I wouldn't say the word she was using on this podcast. <laughs> And so, so I just let her go and I said, well, you know, we actually have to ride back. But on the way back, what I'll do is um, I'm going to communicate 100%. You can uh, ask me any questions. And so for another 20, 25 minutes, we rode and, you know, I, I was calling things out. I'm braking, I'm shifting, I'm turning, here's a bump. And uh, she was asking questions and I was answering. And so I, I hear her crying again. So pulled over, what's going on? And she said, I get it. And I said, well, what, what do you get? She said, I'm, I'm running the company the way the first half of the ride went, and you're, you want me to run the company the way the second half of the ride went. And I'm like, that's perfect. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> and and it was the, at, at the time, I was um, um, working at a pharmaceutical company, um, helping run an animal facility. My background is actually in animal science, interestingly enough. Um, and so I wasn't really in this 
leadership development or coaching world at all. But but that experience was one so fulfilling mm-hmm. um, to, to one find a creative way to get a message across just was fantastic. And I actually realized I had a knack for it, that I that that, that I had a skill. And so that started me down a path um, of professional coaching. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Both aspects of that, beautiful. So the, I guess the obvious question is then, um, from that, from that inspiration, how do you get, you know, from the from those two wonderful pieces of inspiration? I can probably see quite easy, as you say, that the, the um, relationship stuff, perhaps how that could grow. But how did you get into having a professional coaching business? Yeah, you know, I, I was I was very fortunate um, in that that coaching um, professional coaching example that I gave you actually after a couple of years ended up with her hiring me as as her general manager. So I actually ran her company for a little while um, with her. And um, then I moved back out here to Colorado, which is where I'm from and where I currently live and ran the company remotely for a couple of years. And, and I just got restless. Quite frankly, I, I, I knew there was something different that I should be doing um, and I didn't know what. Um, and so I met a, a woman by the name of Sally McGee and she hired me to do training and facilitation in of all things, how to leverage Outlook to be successful. Um, so so I, I worked with her for, I don't know, 12 years doing corporate training, uh, which then morphed into facilitation of, of really intense meetings, which is something that I, I am, one, very good at, and two, really love to do. Um, ended up in, you know, when you start meddling around with people's calendars, executives' calendars, um, you get to learn about a lot about their life. And so those those trainings transitioned into coaching um, in in the corporations. I'm not going to name drop corporations, but in you know very very large uh, global organizations. And then I started helping do strategic planning. Um, so so I really cut my teeth uh, starting out from a training aspect, um, and then moved into coaching and facilitation. And then moved on about four years ago and have been running my own business ever since. Um, yeah, so I, I, that was a really long answer. I hope at some level it answered your it's, question. Yeah, definitely. But I'm, you know, I'm, I'm even more curious now because we know of people, we've seen people that like take a, a dive straight into coaching. I mean, I, I did like 21 years in leadership positions in corporations and at the same time like for the last uh six years of that no it's longer than that yeah six six seven years of that i was doing some coaching like in parallel to that but uh we do see people that like okay i'm gonna i want to give up my job whatever it is and become a coach and you know i do because of this podcast and and the kind of communities i mix with I see a lot of people that do struggle with that. I'm curious, really, like, what you, when you look back, what are you bringing from all of that experience, particularly like that training piece? Yeah, well, I, I tell coaching? you, yeah, it, it is a great question. Um, it's it's a loaded question, so there's a couple aspects yeah. <laughs> that you've you've touched on here. Of course, it's loaded. And um, so I can experience, uh, you know, yeah, spending spending twelve years working with senior level executives in the corporate world, 
um, you know, it, it gave me a sense of what their world is. So, you know, I, I have my world in the world that I've created and uh, that I want. So I, I live on a small ranch, three acres in, in Colorado, and, and I live a very peaceful life that I've created. But, but the people that I worked with during that time and now don't. I mean, they live a very different life. They're getting two to 300 emails a day. Their meetings are back to back to back to back. They're also trying to have a personal life and trying to maintain their physical fitness, all of that. And so being with them for that long, especially messing around with their calendar, interestingly enough, I really learned what they were up against and what their reality were was, what the pressures were that they were feeling. And so I think that created a lot of relatability and and helped me be empathetic and not bring my coaching from a you're doing it wrong standpoint. Um, so so I, I think, one, the training was invaluable. Um, I think it, it's one of the reasons that I'm successful today is because I actually do really know their world and I can help them navigate their world um, towards possibility as a as opposed to not understanding what they're up against and and trying to push them someplace that actually might not be what they want or or might not be as easy as I'd like to paint the picture. And I'm always fascinated by this because like there is a flip side to that because I, I'm kind of with you in that I mean I have been <laughs> I have been one of those guys that's had, you know, four hundred emails a day. Um, but as, as you were saying that, I thought, shit, I've done that. But actually, I was also at my fittest at that time. So that's that's a whole other conversation. But so I can get that from like there's an experiential empathy that we can have mm -hmm. for those people. But also there is this flip side. I remember somebody said to me at a coaching event actually once that they were looking for a coach but they needed to be somebody who was a single mother so that they understood the challenges and what it was like to be a single mother and I suggested well or you could hire a coach who has no idea what it's like to be a single mom so that they're not going to buy into the same kind of stories yeah you know I, and I, I, I I'm I'm in alignment with your statement like I, I don't I don't quite I think that's true I, I here's the deal though so I, I work with a lot of supply chain organizations. I don't know any. I don't have a background in manufacturing. I don't have a background in logistics. I don't have a background in planning. Um, so I don't know their profession, but I can I can be empathetic with their pressure. So I, I don't need to be a I don't need to be a stay at home mom or a single mother, but I I do want to be empathetic or have some relatability to the challenges in that experience. Now, I don't need to experience it myself, um, but I do want to have some context for what they're up against. Does that make sense, Phil? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, well, it does to me. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if your listeners do. They'll say, oh, <laughs> this, is why, this is why nobody knows this guy. <laughs> well, you said, and we had a little chat around this, but without detail, so I'm going to perhaps ask you for some detail. We had this little chat before we started recording about success. No, I mean, it is subjective, of course, and I think success is very personal. It's a very personal thing, what I think is successful. And if you, if you were to ask me, if somebody was to ask me, I would think, well, I'm successful if I'm living 
the kind of life I want to live. It's kind of yeah. you know, to simple it, simplify it right down. But what is that for you? When you say, right, you are successful as a coach, well, what's that for you? Well, yeah, again, and, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break your question up into two. What, what is, how do I find a success, which was your first question, and then how do I find a success as a coach? Because those, those are a little different in okay. terms of answer. And yeah. in, in success, I, I'm, I'll, I'll go with your answer again. Look, I, I'm living the life that I choose. And um, I wake up um, excited. I wake up, I'm happy. Um, it's not that I don't have challenges, but I, I love the challenge. And um, I, I have a, a wife that I, I am passionate about. I have two really fantastic kids. I'm in good relationship with my family. Um, and I'm I, I, so that, you know, that in terms of success, it's not going to be money. It's not going to be my house. It's not going to be anything like that. And it, quite frankly, it's not even, it's not going to be my profession. Um, and so, I, and I so wanna... that. I want to add to that, John. That was yeah. why in my intro that I mentioned about your love, because, you know, when we we're in the group with Steve, I was really touched by how you spoke about your life. So much love yeah. for your for your life that that just yeah. really comes through. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. I really appreciate that feedback. Um, I'm totally making it all up, but I really appreciate <laughs> that feedback. No, it's not true. So, so, so let's go to then to your second question, and and how do I define success as a coach? Um, look, I, I like to be busy, and I I like to I, I did some work uh, online with uh, um, Simon Sinek, uh, who probably most of your listeners know, and there's a, a tutorial that he has to help you define your why. And some time ago, I went through that tutorial and I landed on my why, which is to unravel challenges so that things work. So, so I'm, I'm on this earth and I'm most passionate personally and professionally um, about unraveling challenges so that things work. So I'm, I feel successful if I'm playing that game. Now, that could be fixing the siding on my house. That could be helping sort out some marital challenges. That could be helping um, somebody reach their goals or create their possibility, whatever it might be. As long as I'm unraveling challenges so that things work, I'm good. Um, and if my calendar reflects that I have people who want my help, it helps me feel successful. Now, somebody could dissect that and find out something that happened when I was five as to why I need that. Go for it. Don't call me. Do it. Do it on your own. Um, but but that's that's one of the things that lends to me being successful. I, I also think, you know, look, I, I I think at some level it's easy. A part of part of the measurement of success is around finances. Like, um, do do am I? Um, do you remember when we were at ACS at, at Steve's thing? One of the guest speakers talked about how to set pricing, and he yeah. talked about identifying your basic um, expenses and your lifestyle expenses and then using that to help set your pricing. I loved that. That, yeah. that has served me and many of my clients um, uh, quite quite a lot. And so so I, I'm really comfortable with my pricing and, and so I, I've, I've, I've made anywhere from 200 to 250 thousand dollars for the last four years in a row. So is that successful? I don't know. Talk to Hardison, maybe not. You talk to somebody who's struggling, maybe it is. But but what it does for me is I know what my expenses are, I know what my lifestyle expenses are, and I'm more than making the money to address those things. Mm -hmm. 
And so for the goals that I set for myself, I feel successful because it's a goal I set for myself as opposed to some comparison to some other coach that has some other spending habit that she or he has to work towards. Does that make sense? Yeah, thank you for that. Thank you. Um, So where are clients coming from now and how, if it does, does that differ from when you were starting out? Or even perhaps, you know, when you chose four years ago or whatever, when you actually chose to have coaching be your sole vocation? I, I think I think Steve Chandler should pay us both a bunch of money for the amount of times yeah. we're going to drop drop his yeah. name. But but I'll, I'll tell you, um, when I made the transition from the training company, McGee, into my own business, it, I, I was... I was still at McGee. I went to Steve Chandler's uh, advanced client system while I was transitioning out onto my own. So, so I did work both. I worked because I was a contractor at McGee. I, I did that job and I was building my own business. So, you know, Steve talks a lot about being in conversation. And so starting out, my clients came from me just being out in conversation, not sales calls, not business development calls, not nothing to do with trying to get work I, I i was really had a i i really practiced coming from a place of service that's overused statement but really just wanting to connect with people and um so i had lots and 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 lots of conversation and the some of those a small percentage of those turned into um paying clients and then and then the referral bus started and so it, it's from those paying clients and from my previous connections in the corporate world that the referral bus really started. And that's 100% how it is for me right now. I, it's 100% referrals. I don't do any marketing. As you mentioned, I'm, I'm, I'm on social media um, for pictures of, of family. Yeah. And then I, I do, there is one coaching site that I watch because I'm curious about, I'm curious. And um, every now and then I can't resist chiming in. Hmm. Um, but that's, that's, the, that's the limit of, of me being out in the public domain at so, all. So, uh, you know, I know there are going to be people listening to this as like, want a little bit more detail. And I always think, well, the, the, dev- the, <laughs> the devil isn't in the detail, really. It's, it's in the inspiration. But, um, I'm still going to ask the question. When you say okay. you were having conversations, we've seen, you know, we've we've had the the pleasure of spending some time with with Hardison through, you know, him coming to visit us in ACS, and I don't know about you, I've I've spent some other time with him as well, so we kind of know what he's like. And and um, his lovely wife Amy says, whenever the two of them go anywhere, she has to allow much more time than most people because he literally does stop and talk with genuine curiosity to everybody <laughs> yeah so he is talking with everybody so when you say to me i just had lots of conversations what does that actually look like yeah no that that's a really fair question phil uh, i'm not that i'm not the hardison type like i i will stop and say hi to everybody i i like to tease people so that's i like that all the time right um and and i embarrass embarrass my wife and kids perpetually but in terms of having conversation, really, it was just within my network. And um, I, I made time 
to reconnect with people that I had been out of connection with for a long time. And uh, it was really from a place of, I want to know what you're up to. Like, I've been out of touch. I, 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 you know, the whole world at McGee was intensely busy for me and lots of travel. And so I, I fell out of touch with a, tr a lot of people. And so I just reconnected and said, look, I'm, I'm in a transition and I'm just trying to reconnect with people. I want to know what's happening in your life. And, and, and I left it at that. And if they asked me what was happening in my life, fine. If they didn't, I didn't say, well, don't you want to know about me and what I'm doing? <laughs> um, so I didn't, I didn't go there. And, and that's a discipline. Um, that, that is, was a discipline. But, but that's really what it was. And, and some of them asked about me and then a lesser percentage were curious. Yeah. Yeah. There's one thing that stuck in my mind, I don't know whether you remember it at ACS, that Steve said, curiosity is love and curiosity will actually bring all of the clients you could possibly want to you if yeah. you have genuine curiosity about i would agree them. yeah so i'm wondering what about crossover between these two streams we haven't spoken much about the relationship side um because i know from speaking to you previously i just got that sense that you are in love with your wife you've been married so what, what, how many years did you say it was 31 years today. Yeah, congratulations. Beautiful. Thank you. Congratulations. Is there any, like, crossover between the two, uh, those two streams of work? How does one uh, help to nourish the other? Um, so, uh, again, there's a couple of different avenues on that question. Um, like, one, the, sometimes the professional clients find out about the relationship work that I do and uh, decide they want that. So there, there has been some relationship work that has come out of the professional work. And, and they're two distinct businesses for me. Um, there's never been a relationship client that transitioned into a right. professional client, interestingly enough. Um, haven't really thought about that. And um, But then from a skill set, so the, the, the thing about a skill set is, in general, it, it, it transitions completely because it's in, in the professional world, relationship is huge. How do you develop a high-performing team? How do these leaders show up um, with their team, with their peers, with their bosses? There's a lot of relationship-type conversations that occur there. And then, of course, in the, in, the, in the traditional marriage work through Restoration Ranch, it's all relationships. So... The conversation and the tools that I use and things like that are very similar. But here's here's one thing that has been in has been and is to, still can be tricky is in the professional work I'm alone. I'm working with a client. In the relationship work, it's my wife and I with a husband and wife. And my wife is not a professionally trained coach, and um, and she is my opposite. So you can tell that I'm just this talkative guy, and I like to hear myself and all of that. Well, she's not any of that. Um, she's quiet. When she talks, you should really listen. Um, and she's not a professionally trained coach. So learning how to work together in tandem and give her space to show up and me not dominate has been a fantastic learning experience. And... When you're coaching two people, that's a really interesting dynamic. Um, you know, you, ha you, you can't take sides. You've got to be incredibly neutral, 
which is happens in the professional world too. But there's just a different dynamic when when two people are coaching two people. Yeah. It's it's um it's also the most challenging work that I do. The relationship work. Right. Just cuz there's crazy emotions involved. Like you know, you know, so here's the spectrum, right? So some people are coming because they just found out their partner's been cheating on them or they lost a child or so there's 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 hard there's hard things that they're trying to work through. And then some people are coming, they have a good marriage, they just don't want to settle and they want to know what it's like what's possible in a great marriage. So we have that full spectrum. But in in that really hard work where there's infidelity or or loss of a child or those are kind of some of the the more difficult conversations there's just a lot of emotion involved and and people are in their process of mourning and grieving and um so it's it is the most rewarding and most challenging work that i engage in yeah are there some like underlying principles in that respect that you bring to that work like that there's some stuff you know for every couple is true yeah um and and again i'm i these underlying principles will be consistent in both businesses so the relationship work and the professional work so there's one concept and and i'm going to credit a company or an education company called landmark i don't know really where it came from um called be do have and um so so you could also look at be do have as mindset action and results um, many people come in and they want a result. And so in a business, it could be revenue and margin. In a relationship, it could be affinity-filled, loving relationship. Um, most people will move from what they want to have or the result, and they'll go to, okay, what do we need to do? And and I so one of the underlying principles is I said you can't start there. You, you've got to start with what is your current mindset your way of being, and does your mindset or your way of being actually lead you to your result? Because it's, in my opinion, it's always our mindset that drives our action, which drives our result. And so if we really want a different result, we have to go all the way back to the front and say, great, what mindset do I need to have? If I have a poverty mindset, it's gonna, have a re- it's gonna be really difficult to make a million dollars in my opinion, because that poverty mindset is going to drive a set of actions that is probably not going to lead to a million dollars, as a simple example. So be, do, have is one concept that's consistent in every conversation. The other one is, um, imagine, and your listeners can imagine, two circles side by side. In the left circle, there's a bunch of squiggly lines, and in the right circle, there's no squiggly lines at all. It's just completely empty. One of the fundamentals in, again, all the work that I do, but it's, this one is especially true in the relationship work, is our ability to talk about the squiggly lines as often and as consistently as we can. The squiggly lines represent disappointment, frustration, anger, um, disconnect, uh, upset of any kind. People have a tendency to hold on to that stuff inside of themselves. So they're walking around with all these squiggly lines and they're trying to be in relationship with other people. The problem is those squiggly lines actually get in the way. And so a fundamental skill, professionally and personally, is for people and teams 
to learn how to effectively talk about the squiggly lines so that to the degree possible, they're, they're dealing with that clean, empty circle um, in order to create. Mm. But, it, but if you try to create amongst a bunch of squiggly lines, it will, it will almost always pollute. And so, so I'll use my wife and I as an example. Today is a, is a milestone for us, and I will say we have um, been on a journey to live a life with each other of full disclosure. I, I will. She knows everything today, right now, in this minute. I'm not hiding anything from her, and and there are there are difficult things that I have to share with her. Like I don't. I'm I'm a human being. Yeah. <laughs> And so I got, I got, I got stuff, yeah. right? And and so our my ability to share the squiggly lines and her ability not to overreact or judge or shut me down, but her ability just to hold a space, knowing that I love her, and handle the squiggly line, allows us to have that nice clean circle on the right, where we can be highly creative, really loving, and really in touch with one another. So that was a really long answer to your Phil uh, question, Phil. You're, you're very, you're a very patient interviewer. But th- those, those are the two primary concepts that I work from. Beautiful, and and thank you uh, because I love that example, your, your your own personal example. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I'm wondering. So, you know, the business business is good. Um, as you said, the the referral bus is is rolling. If that broke down what would you do well at first i would panic (laughs) right so so you know i i don't want to pretend i don't struggle with some of the same things i coach my clients through so you know i i'd wonder what was happening i would judge myself i would judge other people And, and then and and because because I've been through this, so this is coming from experience, not like this hasn't happened to me. Um, then, then I would go on a walk and I would listen um, to what's next. There's, there's, for me and the way that I've played this game, there's a reason it burned down. There, there's a reason. There, I, um, I'm going to use God. You guys can put whatever statement in there you want, but I'm going to use God. God's got my attention and so what what is what am I supposed to be hearing what am I supposed to be listening to what's next I, I look I'm, I'm on my fifth reinvention of myself I, I started with an, a degree an associate degree within animal science as a veterinary nurse in Carmel California cleaning out dog kennels and so, so I'm on my fifth reinvention of myself, and I I am under no delusion that I'm I'm done. And so I'm hoping that I'm sent that I don't need tragedy or the faucet to turn off to be sensitive to the next reinvention. But in the past, I that's what it took to get my attention. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not foolish enough to think that it might not happen again. And and then I would get busy. Figuring out, look, one thing that I know about myself is I know how to make money. And so if that means I'm going to go out and mow lawns, I'll go out and mow lawns. I, I'm not married. Like coaching isn't my identity. It's not, it's not who I am. It's just what I do. And so as, as long as I'm unraveling challenges so that things work, 
It'd be wonderful if people paid me so I could pay my mortgage, but I'd figure that out. So, yeah. Yeah, that helped. Oh, I love that. That actually, your answer, and that well, I would listen. I would listen to what's next. That actually might be my favorite answer ever. <laughs> in 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 doing this podcast. I mean, by the way, I love Carmel. You mentioned Carmel. I've spent Christmas Day on the beach at Carmel. Actually, actually, beautiful, beautiful place. The sooner we, the sooner we do listen, because you know, I don't know about you, but when things do go wrong, like you said, you might panic, and I think we all do this to a certain extent. That well, you know, why has this happened, or this shouldn't be happening, and we put up all this resistance. And of course, the sooner we let go of that resistance, which is what Byron Katie talks a lot about this, of course, you know, the sooner we let go of that, then we get to hear, as you said, listen to what's next. So I, I, yeah. I love that. Beautiful. Yeah. What do you find the biggest challenge at the moment in having what I'm calling a coaching life? But take that question as general as you like. Yeah, um, I'll, I, the biggest challenge, I probably don't know the answer to that, but I'll tell you at least one of the challenges, and, and maybe there's a couple that we'll talk about. But, um, you know, I, I one of the things that for me personally I wor- consistently work on is the distinction between, between being responsible for my clients versus being responsible to them. So, you know, in, in, in both worlds, professional and relational, sometimes things don't go well like sometimes like I have a couple of relational clients right now that it looks like divorce is still on the horizon and I'll get panicked texts or panicked phone calls and you know there's some blame in it you're not doing a good job or blah 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 and so so not being responsible for my clients and carrying their weight carrying their burden um, it, that's my natural tendency. I'm a caretaker, um, and or I can show up as a caretaker. Um, and so making sure that I'm always in the place of being responsible to them, making sure that I'm thinking about their scenario, offering um, the best um, services that I can, um, looking for other ways to approach some of their challenges. Like me doing my best is my responsibility to the client and sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night feeling very responsible for them like I'm not good if they're not good that's a trap right because because they're not yeah a lot of them are coming to me when they're not good (laughs) (laughs) so so that's that's one of my biggest challenges you know calendar management is you know all you know it, it, it I I'll never complain about it because I remember when my calendar was empty and that's not fun um, but but making sure I create the amount of time for my clients between my clients that I'm not rushing from call to call you know those those are very real challenges um, you know I I guess the other one Phil and then I'll, I promise I'll stop um, is looking too far out. So one of the, again, disciplines that I work on is being okay that I can see my revenue for the next six months, but I can't see my revenue beyond that. All right. But I've, I've been living that life for 13, <laughs> 13 14, 15, 15 years now. Yeah. And, yeah. and so there is a settling into where is my secure, where does my security lie? Does it lie in signed proposals or does it lie in my faith in God? Um, that's a 
that's a that's a, a discipline and a practice yeah so I'm conscious of the times so just a couple more questions yep. for you sure um who or what has influenced your coaching the most um who or what so um uh, landmark um is a educational system i don't even know what they call their company educational company so I, a huge influence in my life um sally mcgee um stephen mcgee um steve chandler you know the names right that yeah. you start throwing out those kind of names those those people so i i I worked for Sally for 13 years. Um, I was with her and Stephen when they were married. You know, Stephen and I have been friends. I, I've never used him as a coach, but he's been really influential for me. His brother Doug, you know Doug. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I, I went to Bible college, so so I'm going to say that was a big part of my influence. My dad, my dad being um, senior level military, that my parents were brilliant. They never hid me. Um, and I'm the last of six kids, and and they let us kids hang out when the muckety mucks showed up at our house for parties, and so. I, I, I still think of some of the things that I've heard or seen um, during those parties that, that helped me. Um, they also give me, it gave me a lot of confidence to be around high-level people and not be intimidated at all. That, that's a big deal for me. Um, and my wife, my kids, my kids teach me so much. I have a 26-year-old son and a 28-year-old daughter, and um, they really teach me a lot. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a pretty big list. <laughs> so I know that you don't um, generally mix around too much, anyways, in 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 circles of other coaches, um, which I think that's a great thing, actually. I mean, uh, I do think that um, I, I've had a, one of my rants actually on Facebook. I remember writing like, "Just get out of the bubble, go out there and get on with it." You know, get out of this bubble of, of coaches and coaches coaching coaches and mixing among other coaches and pitching to other coaches and stuff like that and like I said I don't see any of that coming from you you're out there just getting on with it doing the work working with businesses um, however <laughs> if you did have like well you do have them in a room but if you had like a whole bunch of coaches in a room that were perhaps are starting out or looking to grow their business looking to build a business that was successful for them what might be your 30 second one minute message for them mm, get out of get out of your house get out from behind your computer um be with people Find out what their greatest challenges are and engage them in a conversation on it without telling them you're a coach, without charging them a dime. Practice, like be a coach. So, so there is a being, a, a beingness of coaching, and there's a doing of coaching. And I think early on you should just practice being a coach, and don't use the label people people have judgments about what a coach is and what a coach does. And so when you say I'm a coach, they're going to change their listening of you. And, and who knows where, what it'll be, but it'll be different. I think than you may want. And I would just suggest get out and be with people and care and love and serve and, and learn. You learn so much from that environment and just let go. I mean, I, I do get the need to make money. Look, I have a mortgage. I get it. But that's needy as creepy, as Steve Chandler loves to say. And, and I, I think the only way outside of that is to let it go and get outside. Be with people. 
love them, serve them, listen to them. And if, if by any chance you have something that can help them, then help them and then walk away. As opposed to how can we make, how can we make this so that you're paying me for this? <laughs> you know, here's, here's something else. Uh, and I have a couple of colleagues that have cut off having coffee with people because of all the reasons they have. And I'm like, just go have coffee with people. Like, don't, don't stop. Don't, I mean, I get protecting your calendar. I've got a really busy calendar too, but come on, we're human beings. You know, you know what coaching is. This is here. My, I'm sorry. I know we're running out of time. No, right? So I'll it's stop cool. after this. What the, 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 the only, one of the only reasons I have a hard time charging people for coaching is because I think it didn't used to be a profession. I, th- I think we used to use our friends, our parents, our grandparents, our siblings to have these conversations. I think we used to sit on a rocking, like I picture sitting on the porch in a rocking chair and saying, Grandpa, I'm running up into this challenge or this is what I want to create. And Grandpa saying, yeah, I had a similar experience. Have you ever thought about? And now all of a sudden we feel like we have to charge people for that relationship. Mm-hmm. And and that that is partially true. And sometimes I think we still just need to be friends to people. Is that... I mean, it's a little yeah, bit off so target. Yeah, so I've got but. a follow-up question to your message, okay? Because um, <clears throat> I was having exactly this conversation with somebody just last week because I was suggesting exactly the same thing. But the follow-up question was, okay, now if I do that with everybody, help them walk away, I'm going to end up, and I say, you know, that as a coach, it's actually pretty easy to end up having lots of friends and no money. So I want to, as a follow-up question to that, like where next? We're going out, we're serving, press, no, don't even need to tell people we're a coach. And they're like, they're sitting there, I'm like, wow, they're blown away. Thank you. What a great conversation. Thank you. You walk away. Now, if that's all we do, we are, of course, going to end up with lots of friends and no money. So yep. what next? So don't don't make it all you do. So, but, but, but it's not, so I I don't want to paint it as black or white. I I just want to make sure that some portion of every day or some portion of every week is just out being with people. Yeah. And, and I I think you could develop a sensitivity to when somebody's using you. Like I know when people are using me and I'll just be honest and I'm just going to, I just will say, Hey, this is starting to feel as if you're only talking to me when you need something. And I have a business that handles that. I want to be your friend and I want to get together, but I just want to make sure that we're both in conversation about the line. So I'm I'm not shy of that conversation, but it's not the, like, I know when to have the conversation. Yeah, beautiful. So I would put that, that there comes a time when we know to put a container around that conversation and make it a commercial one. Yep, I exactly. Think that, that appears. You know what, what, John, what are your what are your boundaries? And, yeah. and my guess, it's different for all of us, right? Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Thank you so much, John. I've I've really enjoyed this conversation. I think this is going to be a great episode to get out there um, for people to listen to. Um, and thank you so much for taking this time out on this very very special day. Congratulations to you and your wife. Once yeah. Again. Thank you, Phil. It's great to see you again. I really appreciate you reaching out. Thank you. Oh, what a wonderful conversation with John. I think there's so much in here for us. It's very clear John, as a life coach, talks with people about the full range of things in life, all the professional leadership stuff and 
all the relationship stuff too, dealing with infidelity, loss of a child, my goodness, so many emotional conversations. And I want to honour him and his wife. We recorded this on their 31st wedding anniversary. Congratulations to them. I've heard John speak so fondly of his wife many, many times. It's beautiful. In the conversation, John touched on how success is essentially a feeling we create and each of us has different circumstances to which we'll attribute that feeling. Now, anyone who follows my work will know that, of course, that feeling doesn't actually come from any circumstances at all. It comes entirely from our thinking. So we get to feel successful irrespective of circumstances. That's food for thought, perhaps. I love John's distinction between being responsible to his clients versus being responsible for his clients. As a coach, we simply cannot be responsible for our clients carrying their weights and worries, but we must be responsible to them, making sure that we're always of service to them. I love that. And something else that stood out for me was how John recognised and acknowledged so many people and things that have influenced his coaching. We can bring all of ourselves to our coaching and to our conversations. And finally, that message. Get out of your house and be a coach. Go and connect and talk with people. Practice being a coach. Well... Once again, I hope you've enjoyed this as much as I have. And if you have, come on, give something back. Come on. You can help me get this podcast and the wisdom of these guests out to more people simply by leaving a review on iTunes. It will take you less than a minute and will make such a difference to getting this out to a wider audience. Once again, thank you for listening. Go out, connect with people, be curious, be loving, talking with people and having fun. Until next time, I wish you much love and joy.